This episode of the Jason Cabinet Experience is from when I was a guest on the HR Optimization Show with my good friend, Moeed Ahmed. I know you enjoy this. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the HR Optimization Show with me, your host, Moeed Ahmed, with our sponsor, Mo Dynamics. And today's guest is Jason Kavnitz. Just a little bit of a intro to Jason and his background. Jason Kavnitz is an INHJ retired U.S. Army officer who served 25 years in the Army, the U.S. Army in particular, and this included eight years as an enlisted member. He is currently the CEO and founder of Kavnis HR. Kavnis HR delivers HR to U.S. companies with 49 or fewer people through their HR platform, along with an HR business partner. He hosts the Jason Kavnis Experience, where he talks to small business owners, founders, and other interesting people, of course. And his personal motto is, be great every day. He does his best to add value, help to solve problems daily, and to help others become better. He has a master's in human relations from the University of Oklahoma and is a CPHR certified professional. Jason, welcome to the HR Optimization Show. Maureen, thank you so much for having me on and it's great to meet you in person finally. Absolutely. The pleasure is equally mine. And, you know, without further ado, Jason, I firstly wanted you to mention to myself and the audience a little bit about, you know, your background and how you became involved, you know, with Kavanaugh's HR or what led up to your journey to. Yeah, so I retired from the Army back in 2015. And back then, the U.S. Army retired, you know, go on LinkedIn, you know, use that to find a job. So I'm on LinkedIn reaching out to people, trying to find a job, connecting with people. And this guy named Mark Monroe reached out to me on LinkedIn. He said, hey, Jason, my name is Mark Monroe. I have a startup called Myra Fold. We want to help no veterans find jobs. Can you can we meet in person and you tell me how the Army's going to help you find a job? Sure. Well, what for you? What the blank or what the F is a startup? I had no clue, no concept what a startup is, right? And no idea at all. Yes. So, so he laughed. You know, He gave me a quick dummy course. I, like, I got very intrigued, very interested. Like, man, this is you know, kind of exciting, right? Like, I don't want to do like no yeah. regular corporate job. And so I convinced him to let me come on the startup, right? And so I was with him for two years. I like to say I did everything except code and design. Like I learned how to do sales development, social media, marketing, or all that stuff. And I noticed, like, in the, I was in the Seattle area, like none of these startups have HR. Like none of them were like, mm. right? Of course, yeah. some did, had recruiting. I said, and then when my unfold, like, you no, know, didn't make it, I was like, man, maybe this might be a business I could do, right? Yeah. And so I do, I do the research. According to SBA, there's like five million companies in the U.S. with 49 or fewer people. Most of them have HR code. No, they, they can't afford us, right? 50000 more per year. They can afford yeah. that. Then I talked to like 331 small business owners. Of course, I'm more detailed than this, but basically was, would you pay for HR if you did if you wanted? Like 90% said yes. So I've just been working on it since then. I see. And that makes a lot of sense, you know. 
especially with the way small businesses do, you know, do their work. With that being said, I wanted to ask specifically, you know, for the audience specifically today, you know, you often talk about the fact that we have the new versus the old HR. And right now it's about shifting the talk from having HR to adding value and finding solutions. And with that being said, I actually was deeply wondering, you know, what your experience with that is. And can you please expand on that for us? Yes. At first, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that when I say old versus new, it's not the age base, right? It's more of a mindset, right? So, okay. like old age, so old HR is like, you know, they work nine to five. You know, like suppose, you, suppose your HR and we'll set a production plant. Old HR okay. never goes on the production floor, never talks to people. If yes. someone says, HR person, you know, this employee needs to talk to you, but they can't come down for five. Well, yeah. I get off at five, I'm not staying around for that, right? Or, yes. Yes. Uh, or another example, hey, HR person, uh, have you heard, you know, that so-and-so marketing is about to quit? I yeah. don't work in marketing. I work in HR, you know, so like everything's no, everything's compliance. And even if you have a great idea to help improve stuff for the whole company, mm. that's always no because more work for them, right? Where new HR is like meeting people, you know, of course, compliance is important. You know, you can't follow the law, but maybe there's a way to, you know, do something better, right? They know everything's going on. Because, like, a lot of people don't realize HR is the only business function that's going to touch every employee, right? From recruiting yes. to the time they leave, right? Some kind of way to touch it. And the biggest example I have of the difference. So, let's put you own a company and you have a person that works for you. Say, let's call him Tom. Tom okay. is by far your best employee, right? Like, not even close, right? Tom's like top notch, outperforms everyone. Yeah. But what but Tom misses work for three days in a row. And yeah. you have a policy that says, if you miss three days in a row, you, row, you autom- you're automatically fired. Old yeah. HR is going to be like, I don't care how good he is, he's gone, right? Mm-hmm. When new HR is going like, can we at least find out what happened? Did he have an accident? What's going on? Did he like Tom, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll take it a step further. Even if like the boss, the CEO says, hey, you know, new HR, I, I know the policy. But I, I can't, you know, if I, if I don't follow this policy, how do I look, right? Yes. New HR is say, I agree. But there's nothing saying we can't bring it back the next day with everything the same, right? So like, yeah, yes. I think I saw the bug, I think. So what I understand from you, and I think a lot of the business folks can now appreciate that now, after we've gone as a as a global community through, you know, COVID, and I don't mean that in the sense to say that COVID is the main be-all and end-all in itself, but rather it's forced us as a good, you know, context for all of us to reconsider a new approach to HR. And like you said, that the traditional mindset of HR has been very compartmentalized to be a job function, whereas it's a lot more than that. It is intersectional. It is holistic, and it touches on every single aspect of the business. And it's not about, you know, HR decentralizing, you know, responsibility or whatever the case is. It's a combination of that. It's centralizing and decentralizing that so that all the functions work like a system in organization, a living, thriving organism, which is what the business is. Am I on the same track and you same yes. track as you on that? I agree completely. And I'll, I'll always say for your listeners who are not HR, it doesn't matter if you're sales, marketing, HR, operations, just I ask you, just be open to the possibility that maybe, just maybe there's a better way to do things, right? Even though if you do yeah. things like staying with five years and you're getting top-notch scores or yeah. crushing KPIs, 
just be open the possibility that maybe someone has a better idea to improve how you're doing things. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a very good point to be said that it's one thing as a small business owner to go hire an HR person who's fresh out of school or who has a formal degree or has experience for that matter, not necessarily worth a degree in HR, has experience, but there's something else to be said for being able to find solutions. And having a degree or being trained to think a certain way is not always conducive to the way we're going to be doing business you know, since COVID came along, but also moving forward as we learn from COVID as a reflective reminder for how we have been doing business more importantly. And with that being said, what are your thoughts on you know, how HR was impacting? I know you touched on it a little bit, but how HR impacted people in their ability to find solutions versus how the new HR is actually impacting people to find solutions and do better. So one thing, I think with the old HR, they're like not really people, people, people persons, they're really not empathetic. But new HR, you know, they try to find solutions and they try to meet people where they're at, right? Like every, every situation is different. Every employer has different challenges, different problems. Like during yes. COVID, you might have one employer who's like single living by himself. Yes. I mean, they're living the best life, you know, they're, they're the apartment, they're home alone. We have somebody, yeah. you know, married with three kids, you know, maybe one kid, you know, has like learning disability. Because yes. that's one thing I, I think people don't realize, like everyone says remote work. COVID was not remote work really, right? It was remote work plus taking care of your mother, plus plus all this other stuff you had to do, right? So yeah. you're like, you're juggling all that stuff. And sometimes the you got to be a, what's the word I'm looking for? Got to have some, like not empathy, but something else. I can't think of the word. And you just got to be able to meet people where they're at. Humaneness. I think the word you may be looking for, and I, I don't necessarily claim to know the exact word, but humaneness may be the word. Because yes. we say yes. humaneness is often, ladies and gentlemen, and I, you know, I'm interjecting and adding on to Jason's word here, is meaning that I understand from a humanity perspective what that other person is going through rather than dismissing it as a shortcoming that, oh, you weren't able to work so many hours because you have people, but understanding that lady who is, as a child that she just gave birth to while she just took on a new job, is going to impact her performance. And that's a reasonable expectation for her to have that she needs accommodation for a certain set of hours, or she needs to be given, you know, more scaled back approach to her work in the grand scheme of other employees. And I think that is what you're alluding to. Is that correct, Jason? It, it is. And I, I'll add on, like, I'm not saying, like, suppose you're coming to have a meeting every Friday at 1 p.m. Okay. If, if, you, if Tom is late every Friday, Friday, like 20 minutes late, I mean, that's his excuse, right? He, yes. He's, he's like working that. But if someone, like, once in a blue moon, you know, is late, or they, they contact you, hey, you know, can I miss a meeting because this is going on? You got to be, I think, or you have to work through these things. I think, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, when we talk about this in general, what is the, you spoke about a couple of themes, right? You, spoke, you talked about changing the approach, changing the mindset and changing the expectations. Those are the three things you spoke about, right? For new HR or moving from an old stale HR approach to the new, more robust approach. So with those three topics, what I want to then ask you is, what is the biggest challenge that, you know, you're facing in business or projects uh, right now and why? 
when it comes to the approach, when it comes to, you know, managing expectations and so forth, when working with business owners and HR people? I think the biggest challenge, and as far as the HR myth, the biggest challenge, like, you know, what's the saying? Perception is reality, right? You know, yes. a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, they'll say like, you know, if you're an employee, HR only calls me if something bad is going to happen, right? Or <laughs> okay. HR is only to fire people or HR is only to tell you no. And then a lot of small business owners, you know, that really see the importance of HR. They think HR is something, you know, to go to once they once they do something wrong, right? Or they're already like reactive or like they might fire an employee for a legal thing, right? And then come to HR. Hey, I, I fired, you know, Tom and I told him I fired him because he's Hispanic. And like, oh crap, wow. you know, you know, so it's a lot, a lot of small business owners, you don't know, you don't know, right? Because I know in the United, United States, people don't might not realize this, but HR laws are different everywhere, right? There's one set of HR laws for Seattle, another one for Dallas, another one for Memphis. Yes. So you have to know, know your HR laws where you're at, right? It's, it's, it's yeah, be very because, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think just to expand on that, just for the audience, I think, ladies and gentlemen, it's tough enough that HR is, you know, in terms of its policies, it's, it's different according to whichever state you are in, whether that's Canada or the U.S., U.S., and more specifically, what he's, you know, very adequately, although very pacedly communicating is that we, when we have expectations of HR as business owners, whether I look at myself as a consultant, of course, I am in HR, so I would know different, is that you have a responsibility to not use HR as a band-aid, which is a lot of the ways in which HR is seen. And I think mean, you make an app point of view, which is shocking and should not be the case, is that HR is actually only taken into account after a business reaches a certain level of threshold in terms of customers, in terms of, you know, strain on operations and strain on employees, right? Then we want to go and hire HR. But if the last two years has taught all of humanity anything is that we and our actions have, you know, a domino effect as we move along in our businesses and in our lives. So it's very important just to look at HR as a preemptive approach and something that needs to be planned out very, very well. So it's either you're hiring somebody in the beginning stage like a consultant who can set up the structure so that you can then be empowered to hire an HR person who actually is, you know, not only a good fit for your organization, your culture, but is capable of actually, you know, helping you manage your operations on a day-to-day basis. And certainly, I think it goes to be said that for those of us like myself or Jason, who in your case, if your business isn't ready for that much of, you know, employees, but you need HR, still you it is no harm or shame in admitting that you as a business owner do not have all the energy or capacity, nor should you necessarily find yourself in that strain of a situation if you come knocking on the door of an HR person or professional or consultant. Jason, what do you think of what I've said so far and shared with the audience? Yeah, I, I definitely, um, yeah, small business owners don't realize the importance of HR. Like something simple, like, you know, a lot of small business owners say, well, I'm not ready for employee handbook. You know, employee handbook is just for compliance and for me telling people mm-hmm. what to do. Yes. But in re- reality, your handbook should be like, you know, a external co- a, a foundation of your a culture, right? 
You should be, you yes. should be you putting your handbook on the cart you have. You should have a welcome message. Of, you know, thank you. Welcome to the company. Thank you for joining us, right? Anyone should be able to pick up your handbook. Okay, this is the type of company I'm joining. And, and now I don't okay. want to add something else real fast. So this, this is one of my pet peeves. So it's HR. It's like a lot of, a lot of companies, when they want to f- do something bad or fire someone, they have HR do it, right? And to me, that yeah. should be the job of the manager, right? Like now, if an HR yes. train the manager and you know, show them how to do things, what to say, yes, a coach, of course, I coach them up. But I think too many companies say, "Hey, I'm going to fire Tom." Hey, HR, go go fire him, right? I just I don't think that's HR's yes. role. Yes. So I think you've made a very important distinction here that you know, and that was actually my next question. But I think you've better actively already set the contact word, and so I just want to quickly mention my question so we can then continue on from where you have been speaking just now, and that is, what do you think is the most important thing that HR or entrepreneurs can improve on in their area of expertise and process. So I would just like you to continue speaking about, you know, that they need to focus on the lines of culture and more specifically how business owners and HR leaders within an organization can be focused on that as opposed to focusing on, you know, hiring and firing people, which is the bad image they've gotten. And how can they, in addition to focusing on the culture of the business, focus on training the trainer, which is in essentiality the manager that you just spoke of? Please expand. Yeah, so the culture, I'll, I'll say like, and people can agree or disagree with me, but I don't yeah. think the same thing as a good or bad culture. It's the culture that works for you, right? And a lot yeah. of people will say, you hear all the time, you know, we didn't hire you know, Jason Cavs because he was, wasn't a culture fit. But when I hear okay. culture fit, I, I, I hear, you know, you know, you have 10 white dudes drinking beer, you know, is that really a culture fit? Yes. To me, it's be more like values match. Does the person you bring on match your values, right? And I don't yes. people get that right. And then for managers, like, I mean, I know in the United States, you get this wrong all the time. You have like five people working, you know, working together and you promote a manager. So now yes. Jason Cabinets, all his boys with, with co-workers drinking beer on the weekends, having it out. And now Monday, I'm, I'm over them and you give me no management training, like nothing to do, like. And we do it all the time here in the United States. It's, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Yes, absolutely. I think the, that's a very good fact and just the experience that you shared with the audience that ultimately culture very sadly, and th- this is one of the core things that we've now openly, you know, we've cut this wound figuratively and literally open and started to analyze it very critically within business and HR is that, your corporate culture is not the style of your haircut, respectfully to everybody, that wearing social or semi-casual clothing, that is not the corporate culture of you know your organization. It can be incorporated in. Those elements can. But to force someone to conform or to say that somebody who does not conform in terms of physical or visual looks or makeup or doesn't suit the image of existing management or what you believe is a, you know, the aesthetic or PR look of your organization, that is not culture, ladies and gentlemen. And I will say this very simply because we cannot bring change to an organization in terms of, you know, making sure that our values align with our objectives. And I think, Jason, what you have very explicitly spoken of is a good example of misalignment between the organization's goals and objectives and the values that are bleeding into 
you know, cultural expectations of how people act and behave. Is that correct? Yes, that's more. I, I asked enough too. So many companies will have like you no know, business statements, values, on and on, on right? You know, they they yeah. talk about it with onboarding and the orientation. But yeah. then the very next day, you could just quickly notice that those are just on paper, right? That the company really yes. has another culture they're following, right? And so there's yes. a disconnect. Yes. I 100% agree. I don't think that there's a single HR person who in a candid conversation will not say that. And the fact is that ultimately people are human beings and we need to focus on saying that, look, if we are, whether you're an internal HR person, whether you're a small business person, you have a moral obligation to make sure that, you know, the way you're conducting your HR is just overall conducive to a healthy, you know, experience for everybody. Am I on the right track, Jason? Yes, yes, definitely. I definitely agree with that, yes. Okay, so let's move on to our next question, okay? When we compare the traditional process with the new process that's emerging, let's say when it came to doing any specific aspect of HR, what's one or two examples that you can give that you can expand on? Traditional yeah. versus new and how it's going to change and how it should change more specifically. One or two examples, please. Yes. Yeah, so this is kind of a non-HR example. But yes. my, my, my second job at the Army, I worked for a local college HR director, right? Okay. And so I started working. And my first few days, I would notice like, the, like people worked in the office under me. They would go on the computer. They would like do some work, print something out, go to the printer, get the paper, go to, go to the desk, do like pen ink changes on the paper. And then retype yes. it on the computer. I'm like, what okay. are you doing? Like, do you use Google Drive? And like, they had no idea what Google Drive was, right? Like, no concept what it was. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, I was just blown away. So I explained how Google Drive worked. Oh, this is great. How long has it been out? Like, like 20 years? But they were so wow. used to doing things the same way. Like, they were still using paper files. Like, it, it was just craziness, right? Because they it was so set in their ways, you know? Yes. And like I said, you got to be able to, like, you know... And that's what I was, I think, you, as an HRP, you need a network, too, right? Go to the different events, you know... What are other people doing? Like, go on Twitter, just go to Twitter chats, go on LinkedIn, go to your local whatever HR media. Like, how are other people doing things? And maybe what, what, what can I adapt to make my workplace better? Yes, absolutely. I think that is the crux of it at the end of the day. When we talk about the theme or main topic for today, which again, for anybody tuning in now, ladies and gentlemen, was the old versus new HR and how to add value and find solutions. And specifically to what Jason had just said is very, very true that, you know, if you look at the Industrial Revolution, when it happened and before how things happened, significantly different, you know, different change in how people operated in terms of how Industrial Revolution changed the way we did business, the way we commercialized things. And similarly, when we look at every age, there is change. Now, is there resistance to change? Yes. Does that come from our base need as humans be, human beings to, you know, value or be coddled by what is familiar? Absolutely. Does it require us to be very honest with ourselves and with our employees and our management and say that, look, we have a moral obligation to shift our, you know, thinking and perspective to what the business needs versus what is comfortable for us? Because... Something may be comfortable for me, but just because, for example, it's comfortable to put a Band-Aid on a wound and it's a deep wound, doesn't mean that that's going to stop it from 
getting disinfected and getting worse. You need to get it switched up and you need to make sure that the way it's done is done by somebody who's competent and is doing it in the best of manner. So similarly, I would say that this analogy is applicable to HR now more than ever. We are now a global industry and a global, just a global society now more than ever. So we have to understand that our business in order to compete, in order to survive, in order to thrive, more than anything else to thrive and to better society is a combination of being more humane on top of better processes. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just end that there. Better processes. Jason, is has my rambling made sense? Do you elaborate? It made a lot of sense. And I have a, I have a funny example where you said sort of kind of. So like you said, everything changed, right? Every, every 20 years, a new industry comes out. So back yes. in the day when, when cars first came out, a lot of people were like, man, we can't buy cars because all the people who go behind the horse and, you know, shovel the stuff that comes out the horse behind, they'll yeah. be out of the job. And so like now we're thinking, man, that's craziness. Like, of course, you go to the car. But everyone's setting their ways, you know, it's like there's a generation of people doing that, right? But every time a, a new industry comes, an older industry dies, sure, they'll lose their job, but so many more jobs come up, right? Yes, and that's the same thing, right? Because it comes down to what you said earlier, which is, I think the biggest fallacy within HR is that HR people only do and are only people who do administrative stuff. When you think of a tra traditional HR person, it's nine to five, it's admin, it's somebody who, as you said, does say no and does all those things. But how often do you see the image of HR being somebody who's very open-minded, who understand and is intersectional with the different aspects of not only within the business, but also within the ecosystem of business, meaning the way business is done, the way business needs to evolve. Do they understand and have an operations background? Do they have a technology background? Do they know how to marry those things together or at least have a solid understanding enough to be able to converse with other professionals within their organization so that you know the company can be more effective and efficient reduce unnecessary labor hours, make sure that the health and well-being of their employees is better and happier employees will help them be great. As you say, Jason, on the, you know, the Jason Cavanagh Cav show for HR, I'm sorry, I'm just butchering your, the name of no your worries. show a little bit. No so I do apologize for that. But th that is what we've been speaking about. And Jason, with that, I just wanted to ask you for our next question is that you know if you had to restart your career and you had to go back in the beginning what would you different that you wish you had you know known sooner what, what, what would that difference be so a couple of these first thing it would probably be and I, I tell everyone this on my podcast too like new entrepreneurs I always yes. had so much money on buying stuff I really didn't need right you know you, you'll like you'll be if someone will say hey here's a sales platform marketing platform what you know fill in the blank platform it's usually this amount of money, but if you buy it now, you get you know six months for twenty percent off. Oh man, that's a great deal. I don't need it now, but I'm new sooner or later. But you know it, you're gonna buy and you forgot you even had it, right? So you're steadily paying twenty, thirty dollars a month for something you never use, right? So probably being more fiscally responsible, right? Like really, do I really do I really need this right now? Do I really need it? And another thing, like I have a I'm building a tech platform. I have tech people help me out now, but yeah, getting the getting the tech people is just been a challenge, right? So 
I, I, sometimes I say, well, I would go back to the beginning, learn how to code. Sometimes, like, man, I don't have the mentality for it, right? But sometimes I would definitely consider, like, learn how to code. Or at least, like, like I like I like to look around and say I'm most non I'm most tech non tech person you know like I know front end back end I know except AWS GitHub all that kind of stuff, but I've never actually learned how to code. So maybe I would go back and learn how to code, or maybe okay. Not. So basically, what you're saying as a business owner, you should know enough about operations and how things work, not necessarily what to do in all those cases, but how things work and how they should work, so that you know where the focus of your fiscal investments need to be. Financially speaking, ladies and gentlemen, let me dumb it down in just two sentences for you. Figure out how are you going to, you know, maximize your sales and revenue for your business, but then how do you sustain it as you're growing? And in that case, more specifically within the context of you know, sustaining and supporting employees, that helps you knowing long-term how you're going to grow your business so that when you are growing your business, you're not investing or suffering as a byproduct of having invested in systems and processes that are either outdated or you're actually not relevant for your business or you ended up hiring people that could have saved you money in those areas. Okay, so I think it's very important to know that an investment is in people is more important than trying to replace people necessarily. And it comes down to a happy medium between investing in technology that's going to help grow and facilitate and empower your people versus you thinking it's going to help you replace them because it's not going to help financially or otherwise. Jason, your thoughts on that as we move to the next question? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the point, right? I mean... Of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, you yes. buy stuff, don't buy stuff. You never know really the quality. It's, it's, it's you know, it's twenty twenty. You have to, you know, sometimes I, I tell people you have, you have to experiment, right? Yes. Maybe a couple of months, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's 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 a challenge. You know, money is not you know ever and never any resource, right? We all have like financial, like you know, constraints, so to speak. You know. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think when I think of the following question is that what misconceptions do people have when it comes to saying that we need to shift to a more digital or a more you know, tech-intensive approach to HR? What are some of the misconceptions around that within your area of work, which is dealing with business owners and, let's say, HR people who are in that small business growing uh, segment? I think a lot of people will say that, you know, if you do, if you like do digital everything online, you know, make it tech heavy, so to speak, that you're going to lose the human, human touch or the human person. Right. Yes. I mean, the human person is still there. Right. I mean, it might be on Zoom, might be on a phone call, but just because the HR person not in your office, you know, nine to five every day doesn't mean the HR person can't take care of you. And of course, you know, stats show even if someone works for you 40 hours a week, they're probably only doing actual 20 hours of work a week. Right. Because they're on Facebook, they're talking around the BS and right. So, yes. yeah, the human touch can definitely still be there. Yes. And I would say the human touch needs to be there because mentioning, I think we should replace the word from now on, human with humane. Humane touch needs to be there because humans are going to be there. Like you said, they may perform well. They may not perform well. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have a legitimate reason, like, you know, having to deal with family stress and then feeling a need to engage in escapism or watch a TikTok video or watch an angry cat video. 
And the thing is that that is why people procrastinate. That's why they do those things because we, the work that they do themselves within a company doesn't really make them feel empowered or maybe they feel that it's us versus them approach from the business's perspective. So I think you've touched on a very good point that I just want to expand on a little bit for our audience. And that is that when you are doing remote work, people are going to be working either way. It's just, I think, my question posed to you, Jason, and to the audience is, do you believe that it is an opportunity by working remotely that we get to set our standards of self-accountability as people who are family members, who are moms and dads sitting at home doing work, human beings, in other words, to self-introspect on how we can improve the way we engage with each other given the opportunity of doing remote and hybrid work and using that as a focal point to better our understanding of our colleagues, our clients and customers and very simply leveraging technology to deliver better HR and just overall better experience for everybody. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Mori, that's a great point. I think a lot of people need to be honest with themselves and, you know, ask them, you know, themselves, are you actually a good remote worker, right? Can you, are you, yes. are you able to work with that direction? Are you able to like, you know, like have big, you know, guidelines, right? You know, like if you, if like, suppose I work for you yes. and you call, and you call me at, at nine in the morning, yes. you know, you know, should I answer the phone? Probably so. If I don't answer the phone, should I call within you know you know a reasonable amount of time? Yeah, probably so. Should I you know not have any interaction with you for like three days? Probably not, right? And yeah. I think with my work, like me, like I'm not a good remote worker, right? If I yes. work, if I work from home, I'm getting up maybe twenty minutes, get something to eat. I'm like, okay, I'll just watch a TV show for like thirty minutes. Next thing I know, I've been watching like 10, 10 years of TV. You know, probably three in the afternoon, uh, the bed calls me. Hey, Jason, come take a ten minute nap. Next thing I know, my Here's wife. My question, up question. Here's my question for you on that. that do you think it not? It doesn't have to do with people's let's say, circadian rhythms. For example, when we've looked at performance in the past for the decades, we've looked at it from a you know, monitoring perspective, meaning how well does a person perform? But never have we looked at it that, just like MBTI, MBTI is not necessarily conducive to a person in home, meaning your MBTI can change from environment to environment, but That's it can also point. change according to the, the intensity of the work, the type of work, May, which is obviously going to evolve. And that's a key point. HR people's priorities are changing now, which is going to change their MBTI. It's going to change the way they see work. And obviously, it's going to impact the way they do work. So when that's just for you on the business side as an owner or an HR leader, my question is that to everybody listening and Jason, is it not worthwhile to re, you know, re-approach the way we see employees' ability to perform? Giving them options to say that, okay, so you can choose between a morning, evening, or afternoon shift if you have a family emergency that forces you to not work for the next three days. Here's a policy around family emergencies. What about those things? Because I don't think there's been any or enough talk around that and enough policies that are, 
you know, engaging for that, at least from what I'm seeing online and in the HR community discussions. What are you, what's your thinking, Jason? Yeah, I agree. And of course, you know, we have to agree that some jobs can be remote, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're like a painter or a plumber, you know, those jobs can't be remote. Yes, a lot of jobs can. can. And a lot of jobs need to change, like, you know, being, instead of measuring time, like measuring success metrics, right? Like, yes. there's, been no, there's been no problem, like, for someone taking off from one to four in the afternoon to go to the doctor or see the daughter or some kind of play. Now, I'm not, now, yeah. there's a, something to do at eight the next morning. They still do. But instead of working yes. nine to five, maybe they work nine to one, take off one to four, and then work for, like, you know, six to nine, right? Yes. And there's and plenty of ways to do work. There's plenty of ways to do it. And even for those who use the Elon Musk example, because that was, that the, that seemed to burn the internet down or up, depending on who you were, that, that was exactly what you're speaking about a little bit is that, you know, you either work in the office or you don't. But I would say if you have automation, let's say you're a painter, you're a business owner. And I think for those of the audience who are business owners and HR leaders mostly, you can certainly automate your outreach to your potential prospects so that you don't have to go early in the morning and go prospect out or potential clients you could make it so that your approach is more you know remote so you can sit at home and do it that way spend less hours going out in the heat in the morning to do that and then maybe when you need to go and schedule clients you can adjust the timings at which you would do it normally as opposed to it being in a traditional 95 that way you can actually have more time in the morning to put on your mental health and I think that is something that really impacts a lot of business owners because as you grow older, especially in a small business, the, the more responsibilities, they age you. They age you very fast. So what are your thoughts on that, Jason? Yeah, I, I think mental health, health is a big thing. Like, like I think it's generation Z. They take a lot of crap, you know, for, you know, eating Tide Pods or other case they do. But one thing they got right, they got this mental health thing right, right? I mean, they yes. take multiple days off. I mean, they're, they're all about mental health. It's, it's like my generation, you know, if you went to somebody say, hey, I'm depressed, I have mental health. Oh, you're depressed. Well, you're fired. Now you're really depressed, right? It was like, you know, suck yes. it up, embrace it, embrace it, suck. But now I think it's, yeah. it's just new generation. Generally, I think they have it on point, right? Mental health days, you know, how are you doing? Like really being involved in your, in your, in your people's stuff, right? And and that's, it's, that's a great thing, I believe. Yes, absolutely. And with that being said, you know, as we make it into the final closing minutes of our podcast here. And Jason, I want to say that's thus far and throughout the podcast, it has been very, very entertaining for myself and the audience. I'm hoping definitely. And one thing I wanted to say is that you've obviously touched on a lot of my topics, such as you know, fostering a better culture. And you mentioned some of the things, of course, do you, would you like me to wrap up and just give our recap now at this stage as we move to the rapid response questions for you today? Uh, it's however you want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm here to support you. And Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, I will do the recap. And first and foremost, I would say that what Jason has said is that understanding that HR has a more broader role than being the hire and fire department. HR is not um, post-emptive when everything goes to fire and you need to hose out all the you know issues, so to speak, in your organization as a business owner or HR person. More specifically, HR has to be open-minded. It has to be humane. 
it should not be taken for granted as, you know, a department that needs to go and be disconnected with other departments. It's their responsibility to know and be cross-trained and have a cross-understanding in terms of technical skills and emotional skills and also soft skills with all the different aspects of the organization, which basically will help it become a holistic organism that serves everybody. The Internally, it's employees, business owners and stakeholders, external stakeholders as well. And of course, that can only happen when we understand that not only should we be more open to technology, but technology should aid us and help us to reflect on how to be more humane, improve the employee and the human experience or humane experience, as we've said. And it's not an overnight effort. It takes its time. It's much like any revolution or any period in history. And it requires all of us to put our personal needs aside, our personal complacency aside. Jason, with that, we now move to the rapid response questions. Yes, it's so, going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. Okay, favorite quote or phrase? So I'm, I'm going to use mine, be great every day. And when I say that, you know, of course, realistically, you can't be great every day. Of course not. What I really mean is like, you know, do something to add value. Like, you know, it might be opening a door for someone. It might be helping someone to find a job. It might be just being nice or smiling at someone. Like, like do something to make the world a better place every day. And of course, sometimes, you know, do be great every day and, and do something great. Yes. That's a fundamental aspect of human nature that we need to have ingrained in every aspect. Next one, your favorite business book, movie, or magazine? So actually, I, I'm, I'm sure three of them, right? So the okay. first one is Alan Collins. I've been following him since I left the Army. He does a lot of okay. stuff for helping HR people get jobs. And okay. one, thing I like, one thing I like about him is, like we were saying before, his thing is if you want to be a great HR person, Learn the business, be a great business person first, and then be yes. a HR person comes second. Yes. And one thing I add with them, like if you're an HR person and you say, I don't do numbers, leave HR, right? Because HR is nothing but numbers and metrics, and he's real big on metrics. And then yes. another one, uh, Innovator's Dilemma, you can see it. So for those who don't know, when you're a startup, there's a thing called Red Ocean and Blue Ocean. Red Ocean yes. is like it's a harder market, a lot of competition. Blue Ocean is like kind of less crowded. You know, if you're if you're a startup, try to go into the Blue Ocean with less competition. And so there's a lot of great stories about how to do that. Sure. Amazing. And, you know, you just mentioned the individual that you as a business, you as, you know, a consultant, you yourself follow. Could you just mention their name a little bit slower? Because I think that yep. is really something that we can all take home. Yes, I'm actually, I'm actually going to talk about two of them. One's Alan Collins. He used to be the VP of Quick Oats, VP of, of Pepsi and, and Gatorade. Wow. Now, okay. now he focuses on, on helping HR people find jobs, like doing interview tips, all those kind of things. Okay. I think he's, okay. I want to say he's based out of Chicago. We're active on social media. And the next one is Steve Brown. He's like Steve Brown. one of the most authentic guys I know, right? I always, whenever I see him on Twitter, I always joke around. Steve, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, right? He's authentic, okay. open, compassionate, just, just, a, you know, great, just a great person, great, a, a great leader. Okay, what do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? That when I get to my age, I'll still have all this focus and drive and still be like a competitive, that I still have time, like maybe enjoy life a little bit better. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing. Okay, 
final one, how can somebody get a hold of you? So I'm pretty active on social media. I do a lot of posting the podcast, but uh, Jason Cabinets on LinkedIn. I'm well, basically Jason Cabinets on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok, Snapchat. I mean, if you just Google Jason Cabinets, like all these pages will come up. It's easy to find me. Oh, Jason, that much has been evident. You're, you're everywhere and, and, <laughs> and rightfully so, rightfully so. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bid you farewell for now. It's not goodbye. Till the next episode of the HR Optimization Show, sponsored by More Dynamics. If you want to learn more, please do not hesitate to contact us and learn how we can support you at www.moredynamics.org. With that, have a wonderful day and stay blessed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up.